Okay. Sports Dev, first live Super Eagles fan club. So we're here today. We're talking about our our favorite soccer soccer team, favorite football team, Super Eagles of Nigeria. We go through the pain, the joys, the sadness, the ups, the downs, everything. So we have we have a couple of guys here today to talk about Super Eagles football. Um, I have my main man who I go to for therapy when we lose, Michael Koro. We have Bright and we have Oga NFL in the building. My, my, my man. So, guys, just go ahead, man. When when is our when is our next um our next game, our next friendly match or Afcon qualifier? Uh, qualifiers, I believe, are early March. I, I, the date exactly escapes me. It's in either the middle of March or early March. Uh, I think NFF already said they will have no friendlies, which is which. Uh, considering the the situation and also the logistics, I think it probably is a wise idea anyway. But because uh, well, so of, uh, of COVID, no friendlies because of COVID. COVID also, um, COVID is the main reason, obviously. You know, the logistics of moving players from Europe coming down to Africa or where, you know, wherever it is you want to have play. And so they decided, they decided to scrap having friendlies prior. I think again, it's like March 20, March 20 something where the qualifiers are. And if you even look at it too, you see that it's, it's almost a certainty that super Eagles already through to the AFCON in 2022. So it's all, it's almost a formality rather than have friendlies and have that logistic logistical problem. I think they're using those matches, the qualifiers, as the friendlies. And yeah, but how can we, how can we how can we say we're through? Didn't we just draw with Sierra Leone twice? <laughs> we couldn't be Sierra Leone twice at home and away. <laughs> I think I think I think Sierra Leone is ranked what? What are they ranked? They're ranked. You know, I can look up their ranking right now. The number of their ranking is is, is so embarrassing sure. that I don't even think we should bring that up here. Let's just put it like this: the name. When you hear Sierra Leone, you see the quality and caliber of players they have. A draw is not a good result, whether at home or away, no matter how you spin it. Yeah, they're ranked, they're ranked 118th. Jesus. Yeah, we can't be the team. And we're up 4-0, and they came back 4-4. Okay, but exactly. Uh, I wish I could share Okoro's optimism. That was very interesting. But, but I, I would like to tread on this you know, side of caution, because... I'm not going to say it's woo yet for us. It's looking very predictable, but then, you know, we're not there until we get there. That's I mean, recent events, it's, you know, recent sporting events, especially our international engagements, has really shown that. Uh, that you know, I don't want to keep my hopes too high. Until yeah, we look, we're being nice and modest. Let's call, let's call it spade a spade. We're playing Lesotho and uh, Republic of Benin. If we can get one point out of those two matches, we should disband our football team forever. We're, we're going to qualify. We know we'll qualify. Yeah, the 4-4 was an aberration. That that happens one years or so. That, that 0-0 draw on, that was a rice pudding field that they put those players to go play at. So the fact the biggest thing about that match wasn't even the result. It was the fact that nobody got injured or no serious injury came out of that match. And and that goes to the biggest thing that we have is that NFF is not supporting our football in terms of producing the best results. They just look at it as a cash cow for one way or another. But the things that need to be done to guarantee long-term success are not being put in place. Look at the pitch we went, we played that in uh, in the first leg. 
And the guy, we have guys that are playing in lush green pitches all over the world in Europe, and you take them to that stadium where the ball is bouncing up every time. You understand? What do you expect is going to happen? Guys get injured. But uh, you, you, go ahead, Anifa. Uh, for me, I think uh, one thing we need to understand that we need to understand is that Nigeria, um, the NFL, the main problem they have is that they don't really invest in football in Nigeria. Um, we have grassroots football, all uh, right. If we talk about the olden days, about like the likes of culture, Kano, and all that stuff. Those guys, you know, they really made us proud a lot. But right now. Uh, they don't really invest in the grassroots football, except you start playing in Europe. Now everybody wants to cut, like everybody's trying to get attention, want to know about you. Uh, if you if you look in Ghana, like Ghana team, national team, now most of them now they they pick from their grassroots, and when they go to Europe, they still value them. And Nigerian uh, NFL also, I think sometimes is once a player is you know not performing well, there's no part of like encouragement. They don't encourage them. So how can this guys really perform? And again, also I was also thinking about like the salary. How do you pay this? How do you take care of them? These are the people that are representing your national team, that is representing the country. When they wear that flag, that country that uniform, you know they are representing the country. So they should be part of these guys, and, and the way they respect the president and the government, so they should be able to also take care of these boys and respect them. You know, give them what they need, give them good facilities, training facilities, and all that stuff. And trust me, they will be able to perform well not by eating Gary and Eba, and they will not be able to do anything. So things like that, you know, I, that's what I see. Now, having said all that, Dan, and you make you make good whole-scale points about the root of some of the rot in Nigerian football. There's no doubt about that. However, if we want to really come back to what we're really talking about here when we talk to the qualifier, these guys, we, we already have established players, right? I mean, when you line up our players against any any of the countries in Africa, for the most part, we line, we stack up. I'll say perhaps countries like Algeria and Morocco and maybe Senegal are the only countries that can maybe mistake a claim that they have players playing in more high-profile clubs than than just uh, than our players. However, even Cote, our players... Cote, Cote, Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire does not have more high-profile players than us at this moment. And you might, you might well, be thinking about moment. how it was... Huh? You might be thinking about how it was prior... You know, but the Ivorians, they're, they're actually in a, a transition phase themselves right now. They have a lot of young guys that maybe are playing in the French League. One or two got old guys that we know of that are still playing but are not really as established part of the setup. But Nigeria, and okay, so even if you add Cote d'Ivoire, so those are the countries. But in reality, over time, has there ever been a time when we played play Cote d'Ivoire that you're scared of Cote d'Ivoire? No. That's the point I'm trying to make here. For us to be, we have qualified for the Nations Cup for the most part. One point is all we need. We should, the fact that we're sitting here, Bidimi's even mentioning that, oh, I'm not sure, speaks of the rot in the program. Like Mr. Organ NFL was talking here. Yeah? We, are, we owe our players the bonuses since 2019, since AFCON, right? Uh, Pinnick just came out and spoke up uh, a couple of days ago, just gave an interview where he was hoping to pay some a, a portion of the arrears of the goalkeeper's uh, Aloy Agu's salary. And they owe him since before when. So, I mean, the excuse is that, oh, the government is in charge of paying for the allowances <laughs> and also um, the sponsorships are in charge of paying the coaches' salaries. And because of COVID, everything has been tight. 
But this is a recurring story, and it's an embarrassing one. Well, you know what? Speaking about speaking about that recurring story, so the, the NFF and and it goes back to what NFL was saying about they don't invest in football. To invest money into football, you need to have the money generated to invest. You can't be a charity case asking for money from FIFA, asking for money from your federal government, who, by the way, is not supposed to interfere with your football, but yet you want to collect money from them. And then you then say you're an independent organization that's supposed to be developing players and helping them grow. You can't be. In a country where you have 200 million, 70% of the population is under 30. So you have a lot of young men that are capable of playing the game you're not developing them you're failing because you don't have the funds and why don't you have the funds because you don't generate funds that's part of the fundamental issue with with, with the NFL. and it's and they asked the government for money you know i don't know if you heard but the last game they played they said the players were preparing in benin for the last game and supposedly the deputy governor showed up to kick the ball around because he used to be a footballer i'm like yeah you know so if you if you not if you now end up drawing with Sierra Leone and you had that that sort of environment what does that tell you like does it would it, would it surprise you you can't you can't and then the field god the field did you guys see the field the oh, field was the field was horrendous i've seen high schools in the united states that have better fields and this is for an afcon qualifier so, and all these players you brought for our team all play for high quality top-notch teams at the highest leagues in the world how are they going to function on that sort of field to give you the football that you need to win but mom, but mom, so, uh, let me let me interject with that and just continue on what you were saying there from that field perspective man it's not that there is no field in nigeria yeah? in fact we're all if we've been watching as we've all been watching we saw the 2018 world cup qualifiers the stadium in Uyo is on is ready to host Super Eagles matches. In fact, Super Eagles produced so many sparkling results in that Uyo stadium that short of playing in Abuja or Lagos, anybody with any common sense would say, let's take our players to Uyo. The players feel comfortable there. The fans embrace them there. The field is decent enough. To me, it's still not of the highest quality, but it's the best field we have in Nigeria. And yet... Ever since the World Cup qualifiers, where have they been playing their matches at? They've taken them to one sandy patch they have in Asaba, another one in Benin. And why? What's, what's the reason for this? Politics, right? Amadou Pinnick is playing politics with the Super Eagles. He's taking them on what we call the tour, Nigerian tour, which is not under normal circumstances. There's nothing wrong with going to different places to show your national team to the nation. But the standard has to be that the field must pass a minimum standard for players of the caliber. And I'm not just going to blame the NFF alone. I think CAF has a role to play in this too. CAF cannot allow yes, sanctioned matches to be played in the standards of field that we saw in Syria alone. I remember that morning when I was living here in the United States. I remember that morning when I woke up to stream that match. Tears began rolling from my eyes. My, I didn't care about the match score. In fact, whether the score, whether the Eagles won, they lost, what it was irrelevant to me. It was, I just hope to God we don't have anybody that ends up being seriously injured and they can't play football for the rest of this season. This thing is falling down. Let me, let me move it out of the way. 
No, go NFL, right? Yeah, I'm so I was just gonna say, you know, we can. Oh, okay. It's really so, sad that even even at this time and age, right, in 2021, that we're still, you know, uh, <coughs> on this subject of not being good football administrators. You know, um, it's sad because it only, if anything, it shows, you know, it exposes us as a nation that doesn't learn from its past, um, especially particularly as that's due to football administration. We know that funding has never been. It might seem like an issue on the surface, but let's if we go to the fundament. If we, we know that Nigeria as a country shouldn't have a funding problem to start with, uh, especially considering how dearly we hold football as a sport, that's the one thing that unites your country, regardless of where you're from. Uh, but again, it's the second country is that we still, year in, year out, over the successive years, we still have people at the helm of football administration that don't know the first thing about how to administer football. Because this that we're talking about is largely that it's still it's still on the basis of political patronage. People just put people that you know uh, they put their you know their, their people in positions not necessarily because they uh, they have they, they merit it, it's, but basically it's a man no man affair you know. So put somebody there not caring whether he has this degree or not. You know talking about grassroots talent you know recovery and development. Recently, I was I was just a bit curious. I was even happening with. Can you guys hear me well? Yeah, okay, yeah. Can you guys. Yeah. What's happening with the Principal Cup tournament that we used to know? Um, I was surprised that even Principal Cup still happens in Lagos, you know, because I thought it was, you know, not even happening again because nobody's even hearing about this tournament. This same tournament that I discovered, you know, notable players, the uh, Odebamis, uh, uh, what's it called? Even even uh, what's it called? Odegbami was discovered from Principal's Cup. Uh, Danamo Kachi, uh, yeah. Well, Steven Steven Keshi. But, but Brian, Bri, the and, thing is, the thing is, you know, it goes. I remember Principal's Cup. I remember it very well. But but it goes past Principal's Cup, right? Back then, the period you're talking about, when Odegbami and all these guys were playing, they had clubs. When Odebwami was playing and you wanted to go and watch, I think Shooting Stars at the time, you wanted to go watch his team play at National Stadium Surulere. If you didn't show up three to four hours before the game, you couldn't get in. You see what I mean? These guys participated and performed. So if I say a player is discovered at Principal's Cup, right? The player ends up going to play for uh, IICC Shooting Stars at the time or Insurance of Benin or rangers international that player is going to play for a club a real club that had a real system of training that had quality talent that played in packed stadiums every weekend that doesn't happen anymore mm -hmm. you, you're not going to see if you go the rangers is still in existence go watch rangers game today it's not the rangers you know back in the day when insurance of benin used to play Stadiums, national stadium, what 40, 50,000 packed. You don't see that anymore, right? And 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 part of the problem, so now and and then back then, if you noticed, you had more private clubs, so Rangers, Levantis, Berger, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Iwayaung, um, all these guys were privately owned, right? Nowadays, all the clubs are owned by state governments. 
right? Mm -hmm. And they, they put their they put their guy in there. They administer money. The state government mm -hmm. gives the club money out of its budget, right? Yeah. Players, yeah. players 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 don't get paid. So, I, I listen. I have players in Nigeria I, I work with. Sometimes they call me for money. They don't get paid mm -hmm. for months. Mm -hmm. They have a contract, but it's not enforceable. So you have all these fundamental issues. And if you don't, that's why every all, every player you meet wants to travel out. And that's because, and that's part of the problem, uh, uh, Boma, is that the league the league is suffering from um, talent exodus. And because once one player just gets discovered, he scores one magnificent goal that that goes viral. Before you know anything about it. In a month or two, he, he's gone, but not even gone. And you would think that these guys are going to um, France or Belgium if, immediately. But look at our one about oh, Junior Lukosa. He just signed for a club in Tanzania. Yeah. Junior Lukosa was, was a, can, a Tan Eagle, right? He was one of the stars of the Tan Eagles, one of the best players in the Nigerian league. And his exit out is to go to a club in Tanzania. Well, you know, but well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, you, you have to realize, like, it, it's tough for some of these guys, right? You, you and I, we know the backgrounds they come from. So if a guy ideally would like to go to England or Italy or Germany to play and doesn't open up for him, and someone comes and says, listen, I want to take you to Sri Lanka or India, they'll pay you... Five thousand US per month. Can you blame him? You can't, because end of the day, is the five grand a month he's looking at. He doesn't care where it is. But I think that's, so the that's the point I'm making. Though, I'm, I'm buttressing your point that in Nigeria they're not taking care of the players, so the players are leaving. Even the smallest, lower talent players are leaving to go play in Ivory Coast, in Sri Lanka, and wherever. So what we have left in the league is well, let me let me let me say something. If you, NFL, go ahead. Let me say something. When 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 I was when I was in Nigeria, I used to play for like local clubs. You know, we have like a coach just like train us, and uh, I could share my experience. You know, playing because I used to play as a defender. Sometimes I play like a winger. Uh, I was training with uh, I don't know if you know about Nitel Nitel Post. Not I, yeah. Yeah. I trained with them. I trained, I used to go down there to train with them most times. I trained with them. And we see somebody just come from nowhere and say, Oh, I'm from Ghana. I'm a coach. I'm coming to scout in Nigeria. They will take these guys. Thank God I never I never left because I said to myself, if I mean to go to all these African countries to start from any start my football career, I'd rather go to Europe. What why do we have that mentality? Because when they take you to Ghana, when you get down there, it's like it's like they are allocating you to another country, and from there you have to stop, you know, you're not even sign for your club, but they already tell you to pay them. And that's that's one of the problems that that's one of the major problems that I know a lot of guys had. Some guys went to Ghana, they could not even they would not they could not even come back home. And back to what Mark was talking about, about like some guys in, uh, you know, in Nigerian league. I have some guys too in, is he in Umayyawu National, and another guy in Owe too. Another guy is a play for Imba. But like sometimes they just call me bros, anything from me. I'm like, bro, 
You are a professional. You guys are playing soccer. And they say, like, sometimes they don't get paid. How do soccer players, how do you, all these guys killing themselves every day to play in the league? And yet the government, uh, the, there's no fund in that in that league. Now, the problem is from the administration of the NECO or the Nigerian system or how they run the programs with the football. In every, in, even in Ghana, in Togo, in Lome, the, the, the clubs there does not have anything to do with the government. Nigerian government investment money, but at the same time, they are also trying to control the national team, the clubs. All these things, they should separate the politics away from the national team. It's not done anywhere. There's no way you've ever seen the Niger the American government interfere in their soccer players. Now, let's go back in the old days. American national team was really, in fact, American national team, nobody knows about American national team before. But they saw that okay, soccer is something like everybody, that unites everybody in the whole world and World Cup. Now, a lot of people are investing, even the American National uh, Football uh, Association. They really put more, more time. They don't have anything to do with the government. You understand? And each field, each each um, field, they can they can play so they, like they could train in any way, they could play matches in any way. When Nigeria, let's start, let's we'll start from Surule. Surule, all stadiums in Nigeria, they where they play national team, where they play international match. Before you know, they turn that place into a crusade. They start to do holy holy fire, holy, holy Moses. I don't know what they are. <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. That's the problem where Nigeria said they have a problem. You know, this is a national, this is a field where national team play, and you have the whole world from different countries coming to, to watch matches. So I just think there's a lot of problem from the administrative part. Now, I was just looking up something about Nigeria and the, um, the, N, the NFF and the Super Eagles. Uh, there's a lot of problem, and which I was not even aware of, that they are owing the, uh, what they call it, the coach, the Nigerian Super Eagles coach. They are owing for over like, 11 months due to the COVID yeah. corona pandemic. We understand there's corona pandemic. But what about the players? You've not given them bonus for 19 months. How do you expect this guy? They don't need the money. The local guys in the country, maybe they might be interested in the money, but in the so like Wobi, what do they want to do with how much uh, do you I don't say they don't need the money, yo. There's money. These are professionals. No. Money counts. And when we the money we're yes, talking about is a significant count. amount too. So if you owe me ten, if I make it a million a million money dollars counts. and you owe me ten thousand, I'm collecting my ten thousand still. <laughs> so this money matters. They don't they don't even pay them up to ten thousand. How much do they pay them? Two thousand, three thousand? They don't pay them that much of money. No, match bonuses are significant, actually. They're a pretty significant amount. I mean, you, when you add up all the matches that, that they, they owe them for, especially when it comes to tournament matches, you know, it's a significant... We've been talking about close to hundreds of thousands of dollars that are owed to the players. You know, okay. for 19 months, okay. you know, we're talking about AFCON matches. There were seven games they played in AFCON, all the qualifiers they played since AFCON, and then the friendly matches. So... And that's not poop of the amount. And not everybody's making it will be money. Even even our professionals that are out there, it's not like all of them are signed to lucrative contracts. It is still a lot of them are still up and coming guys. So maybe the top 10, 20% may not need it. But I bet I mean if you if I'm flying all the way from from uh, Belgium or from when the uh, Igalo was playing in China, if I, I mean, come on now. But it's not even about the you're right, maybe not about the money, but the principle of it all. 
You know, there's a principle behind it all. You want these guys to come and focus only on playing. And now they in, in, in the middle of camp, they're having meetings with administrators about what's, what's up with our match bonuses. Ahmed Musa being the captain has to take time. Instead of him trying to get better as a player and learn how to put crosses into the box, which he hasn't ever been able to do in his whole entire career, that's a different topic altogether. He's sitting there meeting with administrators. The, the, the godforsaken governor and or the deputy governor, the minister of sports are coming to, to train with the Super Eagles ahead of the Sierra Leone match. Distracting our boys. You know, so the, we, we do things backwards. We, like Benjamin was saying, we put square pegs in round holes, and we think if we do the wrong thing, that we'll just overcome. It doesn't work like that. You were mentioning something about um, about the U.S. Uh, functioning. I bet, please don't compare the U.S. to the, We're talking about a system that works, and you're trying to <laughs> you're bring them up as an example no. to a system that is broken no, completely. No, no. What I'm talking about the U.S. national team. What I'm talking about, I'm not. I'm not comparing them because they are not comparable. What I'm talking, I was talking about it was that the U.S. national team because nobody like they invest the administration. They invest in their national team. That's why they are better. They give them good facilities. They, yes. play, they give them yeah. whatever they need. This is what I'm talking yes. about. Look at Brazil. Brazil yeah. right here. The whole team. They are very committed to the national team. Nigeria, Nigeria, Nigeria is way richer than Brazil, but Brazilian players they don't even earn half of what Nigerians are earning. But the, the um, administrative, uh, they pay them or they pay them at due time. Somebody like uh, what they call like Neymar and all that stuff, they pay them on time. They give them what they because it's not about the money, but it's about the con the 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 backup. Like okay, we are representing the country. Oh, thank you for coming. It's not like you're just doing something willingly from your heart. It's not because you you really need money, but uh, it just been like a lot going on with the Nigerian government and uh, the NFL. You know, they, they, I think for me, I think they, they need to be changing that. For me, that's what I just think they should. What kind of what kind of what kind of uh, what kind of change what kind of change would you suggest? For me, uh, number one change I think I should suggest from they need to start from the administrations. Now, the administration they need to be able to understand that you cannot mix politics and the and football. It does not work hand on hand because when you give the poli when you give the politician the time, the power to come into football, they want to control the football because it seems like a significant name for them when the Super Eagles is winning. And have you noticed that any time that Nigeria is playing like in the World Cup or in the Nations Cup, in fact, most time in the World Cup, any time Nigerian president call them on the phone, hello, I just want to say, they lose. <laughs> they lose. I don't know if it's a score or something. No, it's serious. They lose. Is that the They lose. Well, man, tell the truth, you shouldn't call them. You don't, you don't need to call them because I feel like you're putting like a bad luck to them. Don't call them. Let these people don't miss politics. Don't show yourself in the world because you know the nation is watching you, you know. But this NFL, this NFL, for investors, for sponsors to take them serious, they need to also show that they are ready to work with the sponsors. Because all these sponsors, how many sponsors do they have? Because most of them I watch Nigerian um, uh, Super Eagles play. Highest you see is like Pikmin and, and uh, Guinness. <laughs> People don't want to so invest ITL, money in it because they look like it's not like they're losing the most coaching. 
So, you know, and we've been we've been knocking the administrators left and right. So this is where I want to actually give a little bit of credit to the current administration that they've actually tried a little bit when it comes to like trying to get sponsorship, because prior to uh, what people, a lot of people call him, uh, pick milk or picnic, but let me give him respect. Uh, Maju Pinnick being the uh, administrator of the NFF, prior to him coming, literally just about 100 percent of money going into uh, the Super Eagles or the NFF was coming directly from the government, like we were saying. But one of the things that uh, Imagine Pinnick has actually changed around is that now it's more like 60%, at least that's what he quoted. 60% of the money coming into NFF is coming from a sponsorship. So his one of his major, his major tasks when he came in was to sort of uh, lose the dependency on the government for funding in the NFF, which I have to give him credit for. If it really is at 60%, you know easy, I beg. They still need to do more. So he's even admitted that that's where he needs to go to. He needs to get more. And, and the other thing is that to um, Mr. NFL's point, Sam, it's, see, this is a systemic problem we have in the country where we're talking about politics, individuals. So one individual comes, puts his ideas out there, everybody hails him. Once he leaves, there's no continuity. We need to get away from individuals and have a system in place that's run, whether we whether it's NFL that's in charge, Bright in charge. Okoro comes in uh, four years later. Uh, Bomo is the person. It looks like we lost our NFL and so on and so forth. We need systems in place in the NFF that it's a system run situation more professionalism and also more transparency in how the money is being spent. You know, and if we can get to that point, there's the Nigerian the Super Eagle brand is is a brand, it's a worldwide brand. It's one of the rec- most recognizable brands in all of world football. And in fact, just last night I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and she knows nothing about football, Nigerian. I was explaining to her about Nigerian football, uh, showing her supporters club, how you know the gyration in the stands. And really, the branding of the Super Eagles is just known worldwide. If you hear, bam, 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 everybody knows that's Nigerian football already. You see that green, white, green on the pitch. We know it's Nigerian. Nigeria. They know Super Eagles. They know the name. If we could just make it more professional, sponsors will flock to us. The problem right now is why would I want to sponsor a, a group that when I give them $10 million, I know at least about seven, minimum seven million is getting shared if not more. And when I asked them for to tell me how they spent the money, they can't, they can't tell me. Hmm. So, I mean, I want, I want to talk, I want, I want to talk about that some more, but I'll let Bright go first and we'll come back up because I have some thoughts on the sponsorship piece as well as um, the administration. And, and then, cause there was, um, there was a little thing I, I did researching and I compared the U.S. Soccer Federation to NFF. I saw that. Yeah, in terms of revenue, and it was very interesting. But, Brian, go ahead, um, and then I'll, so I'll, I'll jump in. I, on I, it. I just wanted to make a quick addition in terms of, you know, in the area of sponsorship, corporate sponsorships, and all of that. Like, so, just like Okoro rightly said, uh, nobody can argue that, you know, the debt of sponsorship, you know, uh, is actually confronting <coughs> the national team. We have more than enough willing corporate sponsors, institutional sponsors that would jump at that opportunity to create more brand visibility for themselves, leveraging on Nigerian football. Because again, like I said, 
we know that if there's one of that's one of the probably the biggest thing that you know the country knows today that really unites the whole country where everybody's on the edge when you know uh, there's a national team playing and all of that so but you see uh, it, it might sound very repetitive but still there's no how we'll not get back to the issue of not having the right administrators you know at the end but that really it, it's like the beginning of the solution when you have the right people you know administering football and unfortunately we've not gotten that right i I'm not very optimistic that that's going to change anytime soon. That we still we are, we, are, we are still pretty much stuck in the culture of man no man. Okay, my because why you see when beyond if you to surprise you this 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 subject is way deeper than we're actually even talking about because when it comes to sponsorship, you find out that people who are the are in office at any particular time they have certain brands that they are favorable favorably disposed to. If somebody, if Coca-Cola, for instance, using as an example, already had a contract uh, as the premium sponsor of NFL, like, you know, creating brand visibility and all of that, somebody comes to the end tomorrow and he has, for some reason, uh, Pepsi or some other brand, Cadbury, wants to also have that visibility. Policies, are, policies has already come into the play there. And before you know it, there's going to be in-house, you know, uh, back and forth. And this is... Some of the things that I, you know, I remember back when we were in Nigeria, people we knew in the administration, some of, you know, we just hear things going on every now and then. It's, it's a messy environment. People are there, everybody there is fighting, literally fighting for their own pockets. The last, the last thing they have on their mind is actually the interest of the team, right to go forward. And this thing boils down to the, even if you go to, for national assignments, when they, open, where, where they have camps or where they're trying to invite players in, you have, somebody was telling me how somebody brought in a player that was very unknown, and you know just because he could, you know, he, he, he had some sort of connection in house, and of course money exchange and This happened during Keshi's time. I won't go too deep. I don't be quoted. No, we can probably figure out which players, which group of players it is, but no, I'll have. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, but somebody came in and he was like. Exchanging envelope, and then before you knew, somebody else had to give. They had to replace this guy who came in for somebody else who was originally an invitee, just to make up the numbers. And that just, if, if you consider the fact that this is happening, that's not an isolated incident. It's probably like more or less what happens every now and then. How does now it rubs up on the team you know, at the end of the day, where you know not necessarily the best guys giving a chance to, to represent the country. So the the road is really deep. we all understand that. But I think the question now is what's the way forward? I, I mean, and it's a very huge question that we I don't have all the answers, you know, where we can talk about the administrators for all, all we care, but then I think it's more of a cultural thing, a mindset change that we need also as a country. If you take the old guys there now out and put a new set of guys, if, if you're not if you're not doing your vet process correctly, you'd be surprised that it is the same thing that we play you know all over again. So it's I mean, it's a sad commentary, but bottom line, there's not, there's never been a shortage of corporate sponsorship. One of the things I wanted to say again, also, I'll just wrap up on that one. Um, I must give NFL some kudos, uh, especially, and this is again, I, I'll give Phoenix some credit. Uh, I personally have not been hearing these issues of players fighting for their allowances when they come on national assignments. It's not that loud like it used to be. If anybody has had that, uh, you might want to correct me. But, it used to be something that was very, very common, a common occurrence. Then, when there's national assignments, just you, you can predict that at the end of that engagement, of that, you know, that there will be players haggling for their allowance and all of that. But, but is it is it true that um, the coach hasn't been paid for for all these months? Yeah. 
Uh, well, I personally cannot confirm that because I haven't actually had any speculation to that effect. But if anything, it means that Roy is doing a good job keeping it silent because I don't really, I've not heard it that, you know. But if anybody has, I personally I won't add that. I can't confirm that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, of course, he said it's true. Yeah, it, it is. It, the, the the news has been confirmed. Uh, yeah. I read some reports, and actually, Pinnick was speaking on that directly about how. And this was, I think, I read this article about two or three days ago about how the coaches haven't been paid, including Gernot Raw. And again, this is not even some. It's not something new. Gernot Raw has gone through phases of not being paid his match, his what his salary, and. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And, and speaking of all that, so I think just to finish up what Bidemi was saying, that's what I was saying. It shouldn't. We need to set up a system where it's not when the new guys come in. Now everything starts afresh. It should be a system where one guy finishes his term. He can't finish all his projects in his term. We know that's not going to be possible. But he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And then the next guy comes in. Con continues what the agenda of the NFF is. The NFF needs to have an agenda. We need to have a professionalism where it's like, it's just being, the, the ship is being stared as opposed to when Penny goes and takes it and we're going that way, the next guy comes and now he turns the whole radar and now we go this way. In fact, Pinnock has instituted a code of conduct inside of the Super Eagles. That's one of the things they established where I, I, I'm not privy to what the codes are, but at least we play. You, you've noticed, in fact, Abidemi was saying there's more professionalism in the Super Eagles camp. Perhaps has to do with the fact that we have a no-nonsense coach that, that has so far shown that he knows how to play ball in the Nigerian system, being a foreigner that he is, and instituted a very professional attitude. That's the one thing I will give Gennard Raw a lot of credit for. In as much as I question a lot of his in-game decisions, and I'm not 100% convinced about him taking us to the promised land as the, the head football coach of the Super Eagles, I would have to, without a doubt, give him ultimate credit for the level of professionalism that is instituted in the Super Eagles camp ever since he came in. Because if you, yeah, everyone is familiar with all the infighting, players showing up late to camp when they get invited, um, and, and all that. Not, I mean, if they're picking which games they want to come play. Players feeling like they're established. With Raw, we now know that your position is not guaranteed. You're going to fight for your shirt in camp. They play, I mean, it looks like the players are happy. To show up to Super Eagles camp and willing to show up for national uh, team. Do you, do you think that's a function of Raw, or do you think it's a function of the makeup of the new crop of players? Ah, uh, I think it's a combination of both, without a doubt. But I think I will also have to give Raw a large percentage of that. I'll say an upward of seventy percent. Obviously, with that is that he's been choosing players. Mainly, a lot of the players he's been picking have been players of that were groomed in Europe or born in Europe. And without a doubt, you're saying that those guys are, of course, they come with a different mentality than the average. I mean, I mean, I mean, let's go through, let's go through the roster. When you look at central defenders, we have uh, two Imbu boys there. They, um, both of them were born and raised in Europe. Uh, three now. Yeah, you have three if, now. If you, you Ajayi, if you had Ajayi, Ajayi. Yeah, you have Femi Ajayi. So Femi Ajayi grew up in Jand. You have... Um, What's his name? Okay, if you go to uh, uh, defensive mid, Indidi. Indidi is uh, the Indeed. exemplar Indeed. exemplar of uh, professionalism, just the way he carries yeah. himself. Yeah. You look at um, Iwobi, grew up in Jand. You look at uh, Aribo. 
Uh, it will be. Did he grow up in in DD? No, indeed, he did. He grew up in Nigeria, but I was saying, indeed, he's just he's in a different case. He just carries himself as a true professional. Even when you yeah, watch him with Leicester, he just yeah. he, mm -hmm. he, whoever trained him or raised him did a great, great job. But um, you look at um, what do you call it? Um, Aribo. You look at all around the pitch, all around the pitch. Except, except, except maybe Chukweze, right? But Chukweze. I mean, he 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 was born and raised in Nigeria. I think Lagos. He played for an academy in Lagos. But if you look at it yeah, across the board, yeah, yeah, Lagos, Lagos, right? Yeah. So if you look at it across the board, all these guys were groomed under certain systems. Yes. Where yes. they set their expectation for them, right? So this is a habit they have. Yeah, Boma, Boma. I often say, once look, <laughs> look at their players. Look at the national team. This is just say the starting eleven, or even the eighteen that will be on the match day squad, or twenty-three, whatever the number is. Hardly any one of them played in the Nigerian Football Professional League. Hardly. The only one that that That's actually played in the, the Nigerian Professional Football League and was a star was Ahmed Musa, and supposedly he was seventeen years old Musa, when he left. Uh, the um, the Nigerian professional after after being the top scorer in the league the record the top scorer yeah, I think he's from like yeah. almost thirty goals. Yeah, um, he's got for Canopilas. Canopilas, yeah. Canopilas. He's from Joss. He's from Joss. Yeah. By the time, by the time, what I'm and I, it's something I want to say a while back. By the time we don't our players don't develop, we don't develop our players well. By the time they've been ingratiated with that nonsense development of police football or whatever style of football that they and they've taken that all the way through to the professional league. Unfortunately, you know these guys are never 19 when they say they are. They're probably more like 25. It's too late to change them. So you've seen all these guys that we're talking about, Chukweze, even in Didi. I'm talking about the guys that were Nigerian-born. Those guys left the shores of Nigeria as probably true teenagers. Yeah. Went over there and they had to re-change their entire football mentality. You know, like a simple thing as passing the ball in a straight line. I see this thing, man. You look at the guys that grew up in Nigeria. Uh, guys cannot complete straight passes. When they make a pass, the ball always curves away, always tails, because they don't have technique that they haven't learned from an early age where these kids in Europe and their academies, every every day, they're, they're just practicing how to trap the ball, move the ball, trap it, get it, move it. Nigerian players, what's our style? First of all, you have to wait till the bounds of that, the, the field, the bounds has come to you so you can see where the ball is going and figure out which part of your body you can go to use to correct the ball. <laughs> By the time you play 18 years or 22 years straight, you're damaged as a football player fundamentally. Hey, all this, all this one, you're bashing Nigeria, Nigeria set up administration. They could send JTF, come find all of us, man. Send them, send them. I'm waiting, I'm waiting here for the best business. Said, okay. no. <laughs> no, but, but, but the truth, the truth, the truth about the truth about I just looked up online and I saw that, and it's, to be honest, it's very, very sad that the Nigerian Federation, they are, um, they are owing the keeper, which is raw, they are owing for five months, five months salary. With goalkeeper, I think goalkeeper coach Aloy Agu on is awaiting twenty two months on paid wages. Jesus, he's been working for free twenty two months. Now let's look at all these things. Going back to how players, 
have attitude coming to this training field. I think, like you were talking about some of them, because they play in Europe, they feel like oh, they play in Europe, and uh, they feel like they are people in Nigeria, they're just like nothing. I've experienced this thing. Uh, I've experienced this thing in the past. This guy, what's his name? Kelechi Hyanacho. Because he was playing in Lagos. I remember when, before Kelechi, Kelechi Hyanacho went to went on the 17 for that World Cup. Before then, we used to train in a club in Lagos. Because... I don't even know how he got to under 17. If you watch Kalechi Hyanacho, he doesn't, he doesn't really play that way. It doesn't, you know, I feel like maybe when somebody shine once and when you go to Europe, force yourself to go to Europe, then all this, all this everybody starts to look at you like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, I want, I want, I, this guy's a superstar. Now, but when you look at everything in general, why is it that they call most guys in Europe? They give them, they treat them like first class because you've gone to Europe. It's only when you go to Europe to play that's when people look at you like a big star. That's when they value you. So if you're back home in Nigeria, nobody even value you. I know guys that go to train morning and night because I remember when I used to play, I go to training. I train morning and evening. But it's like, who do you know? That's what they will ask you. Who do you know? Who's your manager? Who's your manager? They will ask you who's your manager. Where? In no, Nigeria. Yeah, no, they will ask you because I because then I did there's some training I even did with uh Wanyamu National in Oweri when I went to Oweri because I studied in Portacon. I when I went to Oweri, I used to go to Oweri all those time, you know, I tried to train with them. In battle, I tried because I was in Newport. So I, most times I was I'm more like focused on soccer, not even going to school. But all these things now. It discourages a lot of guys. Again, I'm just trying to break everything down. We're talking about age. That's a, that has been a big problem. A guy of 35 years, he said he's 18 years old. How many years <laughs> that You know, but these are the things NFL need to tackle. Because if you're 35 and you're claiming 18 years of age, you don't have much time to play. That's why you see all of them before you know they play one or two seasons. The next three seasons, the they, are, they are done. The Agawa was of this world. <laughs> you, you know, you understand? So, Ooh, Julius, 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 <laughs> Julius, Julius was a police officer now, Abby. And I was, a, yes. But you know, but you know, but you know, but you know what? You know, I remember he went to play in Ukraine, right? He played well, in Ukraine. Ukraine, that's Ukraine, where he Yes, now. That's why, yeah, that's why he... But, but, but you know he, what? He, he, he did well in Ukraine. He just didn't yeah, yeah, he did, he did exceptional in Ukraine. And you know what? Yes, maybe maybe he was slightly older. But... I'm biased. I'm biased. You're trying to be very modest. No, 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 no. I'm biased because I... Age to me doesn't matter as much. It's production that matters. And, yeah, and you, you know, know what? I'm, no, I'm no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I, I like sir. the way he's. I like the way he's to play. I'm sorry. I'm a little biased. No, no, but, 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 but honestly, uh, uh, Bright, when he came in, he was spectacular, though. No, no, he made an impact. Nobody can deny that. Nobody yeah, he was spectacular too. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if he got Julius when he was really seventeen? That's what I'm that means when he was really in class six in secondary school, you actually got him as a as a top quality. Let's say uh, AC Milan Youth Academy got him at that age, and they groomed him, or a top coach in Nigeria got him and just 
the guy the guy would have been nominated for Ballon d'Or. Uh, I mean, he was he was that good. Mama, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. There's a lot of schools when we're in high school in Nigeria, aka secondary school in Nigeria. We play sometimes you see like two secondary school, like um one school from the west side and another school from the east side. Almost every Friday they play like inter school, then they play inter school league. And sometimes they do like local government league before you don't talk about principal cups. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yes. all these things they don't give these people the chances, even though they see that you are performing very well. In fact, in fact, most times, sometimes, most of these guys, how do they trade? All of us know they put so much papers, stack them together, like rip, buy papers, or go to wherever they stack papers, and put inside the and tie it. And that's what they trade with. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all these guys, they put in this effort, but you're not giving them this opportunity. So when they get older, and you see that another club, another people is like really after them, or maybe when they go to Ghana, then you want to like really come in for them and say, Oh, we now we know you. You see, Lukman, uh, Lukman in uh, in uh, what do you call him? Ademar Lukman. This guy, Ademar Lukman. Lukman, Lukman, nobody really valued him. They say, oh, But he grew up, he grew up in Jan, he grew up in Jan. He grew up in for a long time. Nigerian fans are no football been. Calling for Lukman say ever since it was at Everton and even before he even came, we've been we've been looking at I have to disagree with you on that one. Nigerian football fans have been on Lukman for years before he went to Germany and came back. Yeah, but never got a chance back home, right? Yeah, but Lukman is I mean, look, 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 look I want us to focus on what we're talking about. Diverging our focus here. That's all I mean. Look, there are only 23 players you can invite to the national team. That's number one. A lot of different factors always are involved in who gets invited, right? If we're talking about the Super Eagles and want to keep the focus on that. In terms of it's the form you have currently, what the coaches' game plans are, the kind of players the coaches like. So that's why you can see a guy like right now we're going through that. Like, I don't know how old you are, Mr. NFL, but we're going through the process of where we had Richard Awobukiri and um, Rashidi Yakini and Daniel Mokachi and Samson Siasia, where Yakini was the ace bunkun, the number one confirmed scorer playing for Victoria Setubal in Portugal and banging in the goals. In the same country as uh, Yakini was Richard Awobukiri, and he was banging in the goals too. But when he came to the Super Eagles setup, Yawa, he just couldn't do anything. He didn't fit into the style of Clemens Westerhoff because Westerhoff's style back then was get the ball to Yakini from the midfielders, get it to the wings, Finiti um, uh, and uh, Humphrey Adobo before and after those left wingers back then. Cross that ball in so that gangling number nine to put the ball in the net. And even the, the the support strikers like Siasia and Mokachi, their job was to get the ball to Yakini. I, I remember one match very particularly. This is on our way to the 1994 World Cup, right? It was the very first qualifying match. It was in Ivory Coast. The Ivorians were the defending African champions at that time. But everybody knew who we were. They, they, we were coming. The match, we scored the first goal against uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Yakini scored, right? And that was when that jealousy was brewing the team. Siasia got the ball, eh? Yakini was wide open in front of net. Just tap it to him. We score goal number two. And Siasia decided to go for it himself. Didn't score. We ended up losing that match 2-1. 
that was the last time Siasha started the match until he played against Argentina in uh, the World Cup in 1994. Because Westerf was like, if you cannot follow my instructions and get the ball to you, or you want to play selfish ball, we're not going to allow you to play. The same thing is happening today with a guy known as Paul Anuachu. As we're seeing, if you're following, he's, he's on pace to score over 30 goals in Belgium this year. And that is an exceptional return no matter what league you're playing in. I don't know any Nigerian has ever scored 30 goals in a league before. But if you watch his performances in the Super Eagles colors, Paul Anuachu is not fit to carry the water for the Super Eagles team just from his style of play. It is a case of where the style doesn't fit. So when we look at a guy like Luke Mann, we also got to give those people like that a chance to rise. This is his time now. So I'm not going to say, oh, we didn't give him. It's his time. He's shining now. He's gone through Germany. I mean, are you going to blame the coach in RB Leipzig that we didn't play him? You know, and they loaned him out to Fulham. So it's his time now. Now that his time is switched to Nigeria, the rumors are that he, the switch is official. It's a rumor. Let him come. No. No, he's a solid player. I think I think if he comes to Nigeria, I think Nigeria will take him hands down without oh, we could use him right now, now, now. He'll displace yeah, everybody yeah. in any position he's in. Especially and he's playing with um oh boy that plays uh right back. What's his name? Olaina. Oh Olaina. know. Yeah, so I mean end of the day, you know, Olaina is another one that grew up in Jan. You know, so it it's 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 one of those things. But you know, it's interesting because when you look at you look at everything that's going on, right? With the administrative issues, the talent is there, right? If you look at it, it almost seems like a solution for NFF would be private entities, private sports entities. Let me explain. So our U20 and U17, or U20 didn't qualify, but they're saying that they stopped the qualifiers because of COVID, but they didn't qualify out of the West African block, right? They said they, they didn't part of the reason is because they didn't camp on time. They were still looking for camp or like maybe two weeks before the tournament. Ghana, who we who we lost to, right? I think we lost to Cote d'Ivoire and drew with Ghana or something or something. One of the two, I can't remember. We drew but, with Ghana and lost. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Ghana, right, had me this had been camped for over two months. Right? I I mean, our guys, how 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 do they not have anywhere to camp? Oh, they were waiting for the funds to come in. But if you had if you had private facilities that were open, that would say, Yeah, you 20, they can come and camp with us. You know, those guys would go, they would camp, food wouldn't be an issue, they'll figure it out, and then boom, they're ready to go to the tournament. I'm using that as an example to say, and same thing with NFF, same thing with the Super Eagles, right? Instead of uh the stadium or the commissioner for sports in Benin in Edo State saying, oh, we're going to take care of the grass. No. Let private entities come and manage your your field for you. Especially if you know in months in advance that Super Eagles will be using it. There's no, they said Abuja field right now. They said someone handed in a budget of... <laughs> I mean, we're already laughing. Yeah, to cut the grass. <laughs> to cut the grass. You know what I mean? Like... like uh, I personally know landscapers in Florida that will go and cut that grass for them less than 20k. I, I personally know. <laughs> and that's everything, though, including flight ticket How from Florida, less than 20k. <laughs> oh, man. 
it could how much, how much if you fight tickets. How much did less than twenty k? No, how US much did the NFL? How much did the NFL pay? I, the I it was hundred or something million, millions of. Yeah, naira. over hundred million. Yeah. God <laughs> grass. And I'm here doing nine to five job. But anyway, <laughs> 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 like we said, man, no man. You know, no man. But it's embarrassing. Listen, you if you go and, if you go and play a friendly match and you're playing against a country that has winter and cold weather, like a Germany or a Holland, they play on grass. It's nicely cut. It's well maintained, right? We were in the tropics. It's a perfect environment for that kind of grass. Mm -hmm. they've, they've, they've confused us to the point that we, they now force us to buy artificial fields. We don't need artificial fields in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. It's the tropics. Grass grows everywhere. You just need to cut it, have proper drainage, maintain it. End of story. Mm -hmm. We don't need artificial turf. But no, it's a scam, right? So they come down, they tell some guy in Nigeria, oh, go and find people to buy. And those will say, hey, how much? Okay, it's 200K, man. I can put another 300. Okay, the official price to be 600 for this field, for youth development. <laughs> mm. So when we're talking yeah, about yeah. Boma, um, yeah? we're talking about field. So I've been watching. I've been very, very, very focused on the Chan tournament going on in Cameroon currently right now, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm very impressed with Cameroon's organization of this tournament is their fields. Jesus, the fields are lush green, smooth. Cameroon, I Yeah, in Cameroon. And there are next door neighbors. They don't have a quarter of the money we have, mm. you know. But the fields have been impressive. I'll tell you that and you, I mean, I've been in contact with you and even uh, Bright over here, like letting you guys know about the, 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 this tournament has been very exciting. It's actually, for me, it's been more entertaining than the actual AFCON. And wow. I have my very reasons. I'm not saying the quality is higher, but the entertainment value. The, the guys are being allowed to play ball because the fields are great. And, and it, it may, like you said, may, having fields is not a big deal. And when we talk about fields, we're, we're speaking of fields where the national team plays on. But it's not, like if we talk about player development, um, Mr. Sherman Odigbami wrote an article about this a while. I think it was last year he wrote where the, the, biggest, the, the number one contract between a footballer and the administrator for the game, it, in fact, the number one rule of football is to have a field to play on. We need to produce fields for our children to play on. I, I you know, I go into Yanagua to go every once in a while and I travel back home. And I mean, even Bright has been privy to watch me just scrimmage with people over there. We can't find anywhere this field to play is sand. It's, it's patchy. You, you need the, look, you need fields. You need to build fields for these kids to develop on so they can learn the basic skills of ball control. Yeah, you say, oh, we, we, Africa. That's all well and good, but it doesn't help us. It really doesn't. No, 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 no. Uh, we need, <clears throat> if we're going to invest, eh? if we're going to invest, even in the academies, when you were talking about camping the players in for the under 20, where are we going to, we're going to camp them and they'll still be practicing some raggedy jagger jagger field somewhere in Joss or wherever they camp them where money will be getting eaten. So those are all things. This is why we look to Europe to get our players on the national team right. And that, and the issue with getting these players from Europe is that, one, they may not blend. Two, they don't know the real Nigerian football uh, identity. They don't have that identity. And three, when they come to Africa, 
Now they have to deal with the African uh, condition and they may not be able to handle it. You know, I just pray to God, like, I, I really hope that we were going to talk a little bit about our players and their form. Our best player right now is Victor Ostiman, right? Is our best player right now. And I'm just praying to God that he develops fully, man, because he has the ruggedness of an African player. And he has that it's quality. You can just the moment you watch, you just you turn the TV on and watch him play for 15 minutes. You know that he's going to be a star, right? And the rest of our guys, unfortunately, are not as yes, yeah. Well, and he has, and that's the other part too. With this new infusion of the MRI scans, it looks like now at least the the age of the under 17 players have gone down from maybe 35 to about 20, 24, or something like that. <laughs> but, but you know, but you know, with Victor Osiman, Victor Osiman, I remember when he when he won the boot at U17, right? Victor Osiman yeah. has really improved over the years. Let's be honest. Um, the kid is phenomenal. That U17 tournament, I was just, my mouth, I was like, wow. Like, this, yeah. the kind of things he was doing was amazing. But he's gotten so much better. Like, you can tell he's worked on it consistently in Europe right. and has gotten better. You know, he has moved around to different teams. If At first, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of, but uh, that's because I believe he had this talent. But I believe his fundamentals were suffering a little bit. So, of course. Yeah, but he sharpened it up. You watch him now. Kid is phenomenal. So yeah, you're right. I think he's the best. He grew up in Nigeria. He's one of those, you know. Um, but you know, I, I think it's, it's a slap to the face of sports development in the country that we have to listen. Those kids believe they're Nigerian, so I'm not going to knock them. I think they're Nigerian. I respect them coming to play for their, their parents' country. But end of the day, the fact that you have to do that first, the fact that you know, Bukoya Saka has to tell us no, he doesn't want to play for us, right? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's kind of disturbing in a way because it's like, okay, look, this guy grew up in England. He went to English academies. They put in the work. They helped make him the player he is today. His parents are Nigerian. Yes, he's Nigerian. We say he's Niger. He is. But he doesn't have any obligation to come and play for us. None. The obligation... The players it's we only, have is only in Nigeria <clears throat> when when he's shining. Yeah, I don't even know why. The only reason why I think Umobi came to play for Nigerian Super Eagles was because of our culture. Because yeah, exactly. of culture married. Yeah. that's the only yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. reason. Yeah. yeah, because if not, Umobi will not even. Would never, would, but, but you know what? But you know what? But you know what? From a from a professional standpoint. It turned out to be a great idea for Iwobi. Plus, he was born in Nigeria, so the fact that he was born in Nigeria makes makes a little bit of a different case for him, for him than maybe the other guys. The other guys were all born there and grew up there completely. He will yeah. be at least up to a thing about age four or seven, uh, something like that. Aina was not born in Nigeria. Uh, I'm talking Aina. about Iwobi, not not Aina. Uh, Iwobi. Oh, Iwobi. Okay, Iwobi. Well, and, 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 and look, and Iwobi, you know. And I know England was not calling him now. In fact, he, no. for him, going to the Super Eagles is a good business decision. Because yeah, Chelsea kept loaning him out, right? So, right. But, but if you look at it, right, the the numbers aren't going down in Europe for as far as um, second, third generation Nigerians born there who play football. As a matter of fact, I'm willing to bet those numbers are going to increase. And the fact that our federation is now looking at that as a means of recruiting players to come and play for the national team 
What that means is they're not going to put in the effort <laughs> into the youth teams. So look, our U20 didn't qualify. It's more than likely our U17 is not going to qualify. Because guess what? I have very close people who were trying to get players into that, um, into both outfits. And guess what? They said people are calling from high government positions, sending boys over there, telling the coach, so, put him in, put him in. So that is the problem because there's too much politics. This is why I, I you know, before we even had this conversation, I discussed with somebody and I told somebody, you know, I told the guy, I said, I don't really pay much interest in Nigerian uh, football production, what's going on with the Super Eagles anymore because I have been there. I was there and I see how it is, just like what you just said right now. Because you know somebody, or because somebody, uh, one of the politicians is dating somebody, their friend, their sister, their uncle, it's one phone call, even though the guy does not even know, wow. just put the guy there. Or, and do you know that some of these guys, they would just, because they, they, are, they are ignorant. Most of these guys, they are ignorant. They tell them when you become a star, you have to be paying us if you sign for a club. Do you know that some of these guys that signed for a club outside, they paid they pay the politician and give them the right to they put them. Oh, 100%, out of 100%, 100%, 100%. So if you are doing all these things, if you're doing all these things sentimental, sentimental, how do you think these people, how can you build a team? Because they are I, guys I, that are out there, they <laughs> train there. In fact, they are guys that are way more better than Okocha, way more better than Kano, way more better than Wobi. And here's the thing. And if I this chance. Yeah, but let me tell you, this is the, that's why I was saying the private, uh, whatever. Because here's the thing joining the U17 or the U20 has become the pipeline, the primary pipeline for a young player in Nigeria to go and probably get noticed to get a European contract. Mm -hmm. So when it's time to camp players, and I know this, I've tried to get players that are well more than qualified, to, but they, they, they didn't take them. When it's time to get players in there, these guys, everyone and their father, they're calling the coach, calling the assistant coach, calling the team secretary, trying to get players on there, doing everything in their power to get players on there, promising all sorts. Because that is the primary way to get players to a platform where they will get picked by clubs. But I'll give you an example. In the U.S., if you look at what's happening at the U.S. national team right now, you see a lot more. Look at McKinney. He plays for Juve. A, a lot of those young boys play in Germany. How do you think those guys ended up in Germany? Those guys didn't go to college in the United States. They went on tournaments in Europe from the U.S. How did that happen? I'll tell you happened. The clubs they play for, parents come together. Okay, we're going for a tournament in Spain. We're going for a tournament in Europe. Boom, boom, boom. Everyone pays their way. They contribute. They go. Boom. They play. Kid gets to play in front of 30 scouts and plays maybe five games. If he has half a talent, someone will want to sign him. But Nigerian kids don't get that opportunity. What happens to Nigerian kids is, ah, if I can get into the national team, then I get an opportunity to go. But that should not just be the only outlet. All these people that want to run football clubs or want to do this, if you have a youth team, put together a youth team if you think they're good enough, finance it or get sponsors to finance it, send them over to go play at the highest competitions in the world, in front of the top youth players around the world, and let the top scouts see them, if they are good enough, like what you're saying, NFL, if they are um, better than Kanu, better than Okocha, 
those boys, a lot of people won't want them to come back. They'll be offering them contracts even when they're 16 years of age. <clears throat> so the point I'm trying to make is we've looked at this thing and looked at the NFF as the only outlet. The NFF has looked at it, and people within the NFF, they're they are using it, they're using that that access and the fact that a lot of people are approaching them to build new houses in their village. <laughs> you know, and 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 that's become the problem. And because of that, the people that are not qualified end up getting into the national team. So we don't qualify. So the future OC men's, the future in DDs, the future, we never find them. And then what ends up happening? We end up bringing uh, foreign-born Nigerians to come and play for the national team, which is not yeah, a problem. So what you're really saying, what you're alluding to is that basically because Europe is manufacturing our future players and the laziness of our football federation, I mean, we already see they're not even they're trying to do anything to develop the game and the grassroots level. And you're portending basically a bleak future for home-based players. I and mean, that's just sad. And if you're just speaking of that, man, there's no reason why Nigerian home-based players should not be in the TAN tournament. And I'm looking at the team that knocked us out, Togo. That's what knocked us out of the tournament. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. Let me, put, let me put it in perspective. They usually say a team's local league is a reflection of how far its development has come. Look, if you want to call the top 20 clubs, professional clubs in Africa. Not one Nigerian club would be in there. No. Not no, one. No, no, no. So, 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 <clears throat> so when, okay. I, I, and that's my point now. When you look at it from that standpoint, 200 million, 70% under the age of 30, abundance in talent, but our professional clubs, where the best players are supposed to be earning a living, can't compete on a continental stage. Right, they can't. You want to call you start, first of all, you call mostly the first ten, my first ten clubs you call might be all North African. Then you might start naming some South African, you might name yeah, TP like you might name you know you, you might name ASEC, you might name some other you clubs. Name exactly. Um, Guinea, Horoya, you know, it's, there's good clubs all over there, well managed. But like you said, yeah. I, I venture to say top 30. I think the best managed, two best managed clubs in the country are Cano Pillars and Aimba. And that's it. But even those two, it's like, man, you, if you look yeah. at their losses year to year, it's a huge turnover. What NFL was saying, I've experienced it. I had no players personally. There was a player I was dealing with. Some people wanted to take him to El Canemi. This is when Bornu was still safe. He said, okay, fine, I'll go. The guy that took him ended up taking at least, I think it was 40% of his sign-on bonus once he signed with him. And if he had said no, that deal would have been off, right? He wouldn't have gone. Yeah. Yeah. If the boy wouldn't uh, have gone. Like you were talking about, you were talking about, you were talking about like the North Africans. Because I've experienced, you know, like uh, there was a time I went to, I went to Cairo. In Egypt, that was like uh, uh, there most of the time I'm traveling from Europe because I study in Europe. So if I'm traveling from Europe, most times I stay, I go to Cairo. And even before I even used to do that travel, there's a man that came from wherever they say he used to take it, he was just taking us around. Then we went to Cairo to go and even do training. 
Do you know that most of the guys that plays in Alali, in Zamalek, in Egypt, um, Morocco, not Africans, do you know that these guys, they don't even travel abroad? Aside, oh, yeah. aside from aside from Mido, Mido, Ahmed Musa, and uh, Ahmed Musa, Mido, and uh, what is this guy's name again that plays in Aston Villa? Trezeguet, Trezeguet, no, Mohamed no, 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 and this guy, they still, like, no, Egyptians. El, 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 Egyptians don't go out of Egypt now, they don't need they to. Don't go out of, they don't go out of their league, they play in their league, they end up, and that was a secret because I for all those years because everyone played in the league, they play, and most of them played for the two main clubs. They blended. They blended really well. And so when they that started playing well, that was, on, that, that when they started playing it was difficult for them to be beaten by teams that are just horribly assembled, you know. And then of course they had some decent players too. Let's not deny that. With but again, we're talking about a country that had the infrastructure is in place. The Egyptian youth setup is is set up to run perpetually. The only thing that interrupted their their in fact for me put a blight was all those insurrections they had when they had to ban football for a couple of months and kind of put a little slows to them, a slow uh, slow down their growth. But you know, I mean, again, I'm not comparing Egypt to, to us. They they run things well. They've been doing that since way before time. They've just been snake bitten when it comes to qualifying for the World Cup for many years. Well, let's not forget they're the first African country to ever be in the World Cup. They did that way back in 1934, you know, although there was an invite. They qualified in 90. But those guys, when you look at from a physical standpoint, when you line up an Egyptian player and say line up to a Nigerian player, a Nigerian player will win all the physical attributes nine times out of ten. But those guys, the technique is flawless. The transition. The, the transition from defense to midfield to offense it's flawless. They understand how to play the game, and not just the game. Understand all the tricks. They trick understand themselves. Ah. If you watch, watch uh, African nation, they play. They don't. They don't. They don't even need to start to think about. Oh, how do we start? Where do we start from? <laughs> aside from Mohammed, uh, Mohammed, aside from Salah still playing in Europe, when he comes back, he blends immediately because before Salah moved down to uh, moved down to Chelsea or whatever he moved down. He was playing for yeah, Zamalek. Right. I mean, Halali. Yeah. And Zamalek was, yeah, yeah. Zamalek was trying to sign him before he now, huh? Then, whatever, he now left the country. But what I'm saying is that because they have that unity around them, look at Libya, look at uh, Morocco, look at Algeria. Morocco. What My brother's watching the Moroccan team in this they tournament. They understand themselves. It's what the Moroccan team in this channel. I've not watched it. And this is what's Everybody is the movement. The last match they played, I think they played against, I forget who they played. I was telling you guys about that one. It might have been uh, one of those smaller teams that was coming to knock. They, they scored first and they thought they were doing something. Morocco, and they turned up the heat in the second half. I think they packed five goals. <laughs> it's just, but, they, but you know, they're the defending champions. But the Moroccan leagues, it's, it's pretty much Egypt or Morocco when it comes to African leagues. That, that much we know. It's, and those. They, because, again, it's not by accident. See, success in sports, it doesn't matter what sports it is. Success doesn't come by accident. doesn't come by chance. You have to put in the effort from a grassroots level, from an administration level, and all the way down from a talent level and coaching 
And when you blend all those together and everyone's working in harmony, you produce good results. Okay, Bomo. Uh, yeah, no, Morocco has Morocco has a population. I was looking up their population, population of 36 million, you know, which is which is interesting because um you know Lagos has a population of 20 million, right? So Morocco yeah, so Morocco, Morocco does a fantastic job in developing its talent, right? So you just, uh, and you look at all Tunisia, a small country, small country. There's no reason. I mean, when you look at our guys, like, like Aqua said, our guys physically, you know, like most sub-Saharan African countries, but then technically, look, I met Musa. Uh, we make fun of him all the time. He still can't cross, he still can't cross he can't the ball. He can't cross the ball. No brain. No football brain. You know? And, and the thing that annoys me about Ahmed Musa is that he's going to do one good performance where he scores two goals and, and everyone is like, oh, no. Musa does not, honestly, for my, for me, Musa does not yeah, deserve Musa a shirt on the national team. Is Musa from Nasser? Well, he's from Joss now. No, from Jaws. no, I said Musa from Nasser. He grew up in Jaws. Oh, yeah. He grew, he grew up in Jaws, but I'm not sure if he actually hails from Plato State. He might be. Yeah, yeah he might not. I don't think he might be from Plato State. It doesn't matter. He's a Nigerian, just like everybody else. The fact is. But you know what? I guess Iceland. And he's still getting invited to the national team. Why? So, I mean, there's something sinister going on in there. I know but, he's a team captain, but... but against, Iceland, against Iceland, he scored a hell of a goal. That goal... That goal... together in, in yeah, Lagos. Nobody yeah. celebrated more than me. And you know, I, everybody... I, the way I make fun of Ahmed Musa, I didn't expect him to do that sort of thing. He, he caught that the ball in mid-air. Oh, my God. That he caught the ball in mid-air and finished it perfectly. So if, if you guys will allow me just a little bit. Ahmed Musa is a case of being, again, square peg and round hole. Ahmed Musa, unfortunately, has never been allowed to play in his natural position. He's a center forward. He's not a winger. And that's why he was the highest goal scorer in the, in the Nigerian football league. And when, and when, if you ever watched his career in Russia, they played him in down the middle. And yeah. that's, where he, that's where he's been the most uh -huh. successful in his club football. Yeah, but because of how bad yeah. he is, everyone always wanted to put him in as a winger. He's not a good inverted, maybe an inverted winger, maybe. The problem with Ahmed Musa is that his, his football brain has never developed. Never developed. So, yes, he can't cross, but when you play an inverted winger position, crossing is not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to cut in and, and shoot. He doesn't know when to pass it, when to – just. But if you let him just be – just go, eh? that's where he's most deadly, where he doesn't have to think. He's just reacting on instinct. He's actually a pretty good finisher. That's one of the good aspects he has. But, again – and the national team is, is are we going to play him over Amigalo? Um, we had Igalo before. We have uh, Victor. And unfortunately, I think back in the day, at least we could count on his speed, his work rate. But now he's been he's getting older. He's getting older. So he's, yeah. Why are, we he's still fast. Why are we still inviting him into the national team? We got guys that could take. The problem, perhaps, is coach doesn't have any trust in the other guys. Ejuke uh, uh, that plays in no, Russia, no. right? Uh, I. I, I. See, honestly, you don't... Moses see, Simon, you don't, Ajala. 
Right. Doesn't understand there's something called there's this element of federal character in the national team. I understand. <laughs> so that's what you're saying. Yeah. You know, so honestly, I mean, as much as you might not admire him so much, but the guy probably still be get used to seeing seeing him in team for you know at least. Do you think so? Though, do you think? Uh, let me ask you this: This is football we're talking about, right? So, if a guy is about to clock forty, and he, his, his legs know they carry him again, is is there still? Is that the federal character? Doesn't make any sense. I'll now. tell you. I, I will tell you. That, you see, it see, boils down to what we're saying again. The guys who actually call the shots, they don't see it the way we see it. For them, it's that's more of you know a consideration than what we are talking about here. You know, like how would the national team not have somebody from the north, you know, represent the national team? Remember, I used to complain of Gabalawal. Gabalawal had something about him being a utility player, but it wasn't necessarily. I mean, you and I would agree that we can actually, we could have come up with somebody who is three times better than Gabalawa, right? But imagine Gabala had one of the longest careers in the national team. Yeah. That's true. That's like, it wasn't I think also, a lot of coaches too, and I, and I can say this, having dabbled in some coaching in my time, sometimes in certain dynamics, it's not about the player's ability to play on the field, but also his ability to galvanize a locker room together and get guys to buy into the coach's techniques, almost like a second coach on the field. And I would give Ahmed Musa a little credit for that. And I, I'm starting to see that in that Sierra Leone match. In fact, he was the only one I saw that was standing up and really urging the players on. And surprisingly, as much as I talk about it, it was when, when he was taken out when the entire midfield collapsed, if anyone watched that match at all, right? right? And, and because he's somebody that, although... Yeah, his, his brain, but I don't know. I'm not going to talk about his brain too much. His, 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 his delivery has not been great. Oh, Ahmed Musa will go 10 matches. One of them, he'll have a decent game. The rest of the nine, he's anonymous and he's very frustrating. Yes, but then perhaps a coach sees that in him and keeps him on the team for that reason. But if that's the case, then a player like that shouldn't be starting your starting 11. Bring him in in the last... 10, 15 minutes when we need stability in the in on the field. I, I go with that. Mikel, towards the end of his career, was like that with the Super Eagles, too. Yeah, you know, yeah. even today, I still think he can contribute, but clearly, wow. he was a man that needed to be playing the number 10 position, not Mikel. But it was good to have him on the team because Mikel has shown, even though he didn't start out that way, but shown a lot of commitment. And just having a player of his caliber who could galvanize and show this is the way to wear the national shirt there's something to say for that. So I think yeah. that's probably where I will see an Ahmed Musa fitting in moving forward. But please, 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 please. He should not be in our starting 11. No way. Yeah, no I, I, how, how old is Ahmed Musa now? Uh, about 51. No, they say it's 30. 30 or 31, something like that. Approaching 30. Nah, Ahmed Musa's time has gone, man. That old man is older than my grandfather. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, about 31. About 31. Uh, uh, this, this is the time for Chukweze. And uh, who's the other guy that plays on the other side of the wing? Uh, um, uh, Simon, either Moses Simon Ajala, or Simon. Ajala. Moses Ajala. Simon. That's another, Ajala, that's another guy from. Uh, that's his nickname. They call him Ajala. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know that's, that. a, that's, that's another guy from uh, Joss. He's from Joss as well. Okay. Um, well this I, I do have to. I do. I do have to. Personally. So okay, let's 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 do this. Let's let's start to wrap up. It's not trying to play. Okay. Who? Nah. 
That, that like, one's another matter. Eze, that guy, he's coming good, though. We Eze, that guy, oh, that boy, that boy yeah, is good, man. He's a nice, good. Good, he's a good player. But he doesn't want to play for us. He doesn't, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. No, you reject. No, rejected. Say he doesn't want to. Oh, he, he confirmed it. You rejected. You rejected because he said, "Yeah, it's only I believe so. England, England, it. England. They haven't called him up for England. Oh, man, he's coming. In the next few rounds, he's coming. No, nah, next few rounds, he's getting picked. But he's you, getting, you know what? Honestly, let me tell you something. Nigeria is the best place for that boy to play. I'm not saying this because I I, I look at him as a stud. He's a stud. But Nigeria is the best place for that boy to play. You know why? His skills will be 120% appreciated. The players that play with him will understand his game and play well for him. It's almost like Zaha. If you look at Zaha, Zaha exactly. is good enough to play for the three Lions. But Zaha will not be appreciated if he plays for three Lions. Yep. Zaha is appreciated playing for Cote d'Ivoire. Same thing with this Eze boy. Eze, if he plays for us, Will be appreciated. He'll become a bigger star. A bigger star. His brand yeah, will be bigger. Yeah. yeah, it's not. All yeah, across the no, continent. Not. This is Nigeria. Not, right? We're talking about the entire it's not, continent. I, it's not. I decline. For me, I decline. I'd rather him play for England than for him to play for Nigeria. Why? Why? Nigeria will not value him because Nigeria will not value. Nigeria only value you as a, they give them temporary like value. They, they value these guys temporarily. And again, they are not winning any trophy. They are not even playing anything. They are not even going anywhere far. They are they, Nigeria, they say they are the king of Africa, but they are not king of any. They are not even king of Lagos. Not even that. They won one African. Since, in fact, I was, I was born nineteen nineteen forty two. Since nineteen forty two, I was born. Now I only saw one more African. Hey, so that we we won. We won with Keshi. We won with Keshi. We won nineteen eighty. Won nineteen ninety four. And then we won like three, three now. Yeah, he'll be appreciated. No, he'll be appreciated. We're three-time champions. He'll be appreciated. Uh, he'll be three times in how many years? That's what I say since 1944, 1942. <laughs> I only remember one because the olden, the olden days. I do not remember the olden days. Old. I'm talking about the recent. No, but that's serious. How do they move forward? You know, we're trying to talk about all these things to find a solution. There must be a solution. It's not just having this kind of conversation. I but think we should have this conversation. Maybe we need to have this conversation at another round table. What do you what do you think? We should schedule again for in, in a month's time. Definitely come back and sit down and chat up some more. But you're right, though. We need a solution. And, and personally, okay, to, to kind of close, we'll go kind of go around and give solutions. My personal solution is that I think we need more private enterprises focused on sports development and sports it, that when i say private entity i mean entities that have their own facility that develop players that give them opportunities to to do whatever it is they want to do uh people that have the funding to own their own private clubs that end up in the highest league that will do their own thing because that is what it will take everything is so dependent on government entities and if there's anything we've learned in Nigeria is that the government has no business in any of these things. <laughs> yeah, yes, but, and and, and exactly. the saddest thing about the NFF is the NFF is not a government entity. The NFF is a FIFA entity. As a matter of fact, it specifies mm -hmm. clearly that there's no government involvement in NFF. But they get all their money from the government. So how, no, would, they, how would governors not tell them that, listen, no. I want to kick ball with your boys? There's nothing, there's nothing the, the NFF can say. So I think, you know, the, 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 the more... 
the institution is able to win itself and become more private, the better off it to be. That's my solution. Apples, go ahead. Um, so thank you, Bomo. Uh, and and really, before I even say anything, I want to say I really appreciate you putting this whole forum together. This has been enlightening, even for myself and whoever's watching this. I'm pretty sure. I hope they appreciate the passion that we've come through with and talking about the very loved, beloved Super Eagles. For me, the way I have to look at it is like this. If you, you go back to countries that have achieved way more than we have, and when they've hit, when they've come to what's called the, the watershed moment, I, I speak of Germany, right about, right about that 2000, mid 2000s. Uh, I speak of even England in more recent times, right? And I speak of even the United States, where they look, they self appraise, they admit that something is wrong. They look within and say, you know what? The system as we're doing it right now is not working and we need a whole scale, wholesale um, revamp of the system from the bottom up. And that's where we got to start from. And if you look at a country like um, Germany, they focus, they, they change their style from fo uh, focusing on just drilling uh, clockwork drills to infusing some holding onto the ball, loving the ball, and they knew it will start from kids, and they blended their youth academies. I'm talking about youth academies from very little ages, six years old, seven years old, to professional teams, right? And the schedule of those teams, of those youth teams, almost to a team, matched the schedules of the professional team all the way from top down. And you had those feeder programs. So by the time those players now got to the point where they become national team players, they have national football identity. Same thing with England. They decided we need to build training grounds all across the country and develop a, a system, a technique. The United States have put a lot of emphasis into making sure we're grooming our players to understand how to uh, love the ball, so to speak. And we need to do the same thing. We want to see how Super Eagles develop. I don't, I don't really truly believe we're going to achieve the heights that we want to achieve by getting foreign players to just only come and be the players that play for us. We, we, the way forward is obviously going to be a blend of the foreign players, foreign-born players, and uh, the local players. But our local players have to be the ones that are high caliber and technique, and the only way we're going to get that is a revamp of the system from the bottom up, a rethink, and come up with a way to uh, merge that system with our professional league, and a, a national identity for our football. Hundred percent, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's very you know little words. I would just say, especially the NFF in this case, I would say they should really live up to the autonomy. To be honest, they should work towards being autonomous. Um, the status of the, the status that creates it already, you know, makes provision for that. Which, you know, like we already noted recent uh, just now that. Is not necessarily the reality now today because of government interference, especially when you know they have to rely on government for funding. But the truth is, I think if only we had the right guys manage the affairs, they would first of all understand that there are products that they can that is very marketable, which is soccer, um, and then you don't necessarily need government's um, funding to be able to to function. There's a lot more that you stand to that you can actually explore, you know, by yourself, uh, you know, considering the brand. That football is in itself. So I, I'm looking forward, you know, because as I said, we can always go back and forth and then we're coming back to the same issue of complaining about administrators that we have, the, you know, having the wrong administrators. But truth is, 
if the, the football house understands that it needs to really function as an autonomous autonomous organization then that would be the startup point the start starting point in getting it right because with that will come you know getting the right people in the right places uh, and then on you know having a good agenda and a calendar in terms of discovering grassroots talents uh, you know grooming them making sure that you all the states of the federation have you know, a very transparent and very, you know, buoyant football infrastructure on ground that, you know, local talents can be bred from. It's, so, I mean, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we have an NFL that is not, that is independent of government interference. That's what's the bottom line. Because for me, if you ask me that, therein lies the solution. Therein lies the way forward. We're trying to get it, you know, if we have to assume the, the kind of um, um, level that we want our football to get to. So I definitely look forward to that. Uh, I don't. I can't beat my chest to say that's going to happen soon because it's Nigeria we're talking about. But I'm just hoping that we, as we realize that that's the bane of the football, uh, football administration, that we you know get to a point where we actually see that happen live, and then we're better off for it. Uh, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Hundred percent. Okay, NFL. No, I just. Uh... Like me, like I said, you know, before now, I just said it, the only thing that could change anything is when they start to, like the administration, and when they started to, you know, realize that uh, not just about whatever that is going on, whatever they've been doing with the politics and the whole situation, waiting for the government to interfere in the, in the, in the Super Eagles, uh, you know, when they have like training, when they have like uh, friendly matches. They need to like really my own thinking that they need to start to put that in place, repair the pitches, and also, you know, make that you know they have to do more marketing. You know, you know, for the response you know, for me to take you serious, I must say that you are putting in work. Because if I'm if I have to be putting my own work out there, if I have to be putting my own banner out there, I have to make sure say I'm making income for that because I'm getting money from that. I'm not going to be spending making the expenditure. So about the NFL, they need to also make like some changes you know, in terms of even another thing again. I, I don't know if everybody anybody notice. I know you guys might notice about that. The way they run the commentary alone could even make you sleep. You feel like you're drinking alcohol. <laughs> they, you know, and uh, and you get your culture and uh, all the is olden days. It's like and uh, oh no, what about no, oh no, you know. It's like a share player. No, I don't. Nobody want to hear that. Look at, <laughs> why do we watch? See, we have our own Nigeria. We have our the own Nigeria Commentary is an issue. issue. Commentary, I actually agree. Yeah. The commentary is an issue. That's what he me. I don't want to hear. And they're about to score. And no, no, oh no, you're about to score. That's just like what are you watching? I feel like you were in the beer parlor. Yeah. No, but you know what? You, you know, know what? what? I haven't listened to. I haven't listened to a game on the radio recently, so I don't know. What it sounds like, I, I was, have you have you listened? Not radio commentary, but TV definitely, and TV is horrible. It, TV, like, I, listen, horrible. I, listen, I watch the games on Being Sport. It's horrible. Being sport, it's different. Well, but every once in a while, like like for example, when they had the um, actually in this qualifying series, when the game wasn't on regular day, I think we played against Republic of Benin. The NTA had the commentary. First of all, it seemed like it was shot from a cell phone, uh, the camera, the video camera, from the cell phone. And the guy, uh, gee, let's at the end, then they say something like the the score I even gave. It was just 
it was it was atrocious. It was it was a disgrace. And we we come and it's just for every it's the country, man. It's not just football. It's everywhere in the country. It's a, there's a rock everywhere in the country, and football is just a symptom of that rock that's embedded in the entire country. But you know what? I'll give you an I'll give you an example based on something you said. Just before we go, you mentioned the camera being terrible, right? But I I I, I tell you what, our Nollywood studios they use the highest class cameras to make their movies, the good movies. Right, so right. right, but that's private. You see my point. So when you have that kind of entity set up to now manage things properly for you, you don't have to worry. Sorry, NFL. Any anything else? Or you don't finish? No, no, no. That's just that. Yeah, I finish. I finish. Okay, my brother. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we'll schedule again. This is part one. Super Eagles fans. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> lamenting and <laughs> our happiness all together, and we'll schedule again for next month. All the uh, best. Thanks for, thanks. thanks for putting this together. Absolutely. Okay, Bye. Bye.